All right, gang, it's that time of the week. It's the best Tuesday you've had all week, and it's your favorite financial show you've heard all day, for sure. Probably ever, in fact. Let's just let's just really overhype this thing, shall we? I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. Uh, notoriously absent today, Matt Dixon. Ooh. I know. No, but in a brilliant Hail Mary substitution, I get to welcome our good friend Derek Simmons back. Yay! I know. That's what we all said. We're super glad <laughs> to have you, Derek. Thanks for joining. It's good to be here. Yeah, and um, we've got uh, a really well-prepared show. That's false, but we're going to have a really good spur-of-the-moment show uh, because that's what we do on True Wealth, where we get to talk about money and whatever else we want. Here's the toughie. As you know, when Derek visits, we usually talk Kansas basketball. We usually do. It's off-season. So all we know is the preseason is looking promising. Preseason number one. Yeah, so that's just far as I can get into this one. I can get further, but give me time. Okay. Uh, other things of note, things that surprised me, I had to share this with Derek, and he had heard of this. Uh, my staff had to tell me about this, because I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but I've been in the equivalent of off-grid under a rock. Off-grid under a rock is roughly translated as on a cruise ship in Alaska. Okay. So it, it was not miserable, but uh, it was literally pretty off-grid. Uh because even when you get into port on a cruise ship, when you have a town of 600 people as a population and three cruise ships with 4,000 passengers each show up, the one cell tower says, punt, I can't, I can't help you, right? So you might get a text out in an hour, but you're definitely not going to be downloading the latest Spotify or whatever. And the cruise ship's arrival is the news. That is true as well. So anyway, it was a, a fun trip. If you've never been up to Alaska, I'm sure I could say, that, I mean, it's worth a visit. It's pretty. Um, and if you hate being seasick, then I get why you wouldn't want to be on a boat. So there is that. Uh, the inside passage, fortunately, pretty calm. But the North Pacific, less calm. So I'm hearing that Alaska is a lot like Oregon on steroids. Big, uh, It's big Oregon. Okay. that's I mean, that's how I'll describe it. It's big Oregon. And it is... Big. Now, if you think about it, there's very few places that I can go to where you could just sort of do a 360-degree look and you can't see any signs of humanity. And I mean, like, there's no power poles. There's no town in the distance or a road cut somewhere. There are places in Alaska you can stand, look all the way around you, and you will feel alone. It's that kind of big Alaska. So that was wild. Fun. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're back. Yeah, well, me too. I'm actually, and and all of more, all the more. Every now and then, you have one of those true wealth moments where you go, uh, apparently, a, like a real vacation where you're not sprinting from thing to thing to thing, which is what my family usually does. We were forced to slow down. Now I understand what rest means. Oh, I know it's so weird. So anyway, it was great to get re the batteries recharged. Uh, but we're back at it now. Uh, also, pro tip of the day. Don't lock yourself in a submarine. That does seem like reasonable advice. Yeah. And if you're wondering, I was wondering too, my staff brought this to me. Well, actually, so first it was Matthew. Justin was also looking at this. And I went, what, what are you guys paying attention to? That it was an ongoing news story where there is a submarine that's like an amateur submarine that went down to try to see the Titanic. And they've lost it. 
it hasn't resurfaced. They don't know where it is. They're searching. They can't find it. The passengers are bolted in to the submarine, not not like they're inside, you know, strapped mechanically in it, meaning they shut the door to the submarine and sealed it from the outside. They bolted it from the outside and riveted it shut so they can't even get out if they surfaced. It's very effective. Yeah. And it's also very lost and it has a finite amount of oxygen in it. So you've sealed yourself in a tube and gotten lost. Uh, you know, the hope is that it's not something catastrophic underwater. So that sounds like wealth, but perhaps not true wealth. Well, <laughs> I, the funny thing about it, I mean, f not ha-ha, but th there's a billionaire and his son reportedly on there on this mission. Thurston Howell. Perhaps. Uh, he's. What struck me is this is what happens when you have tons of money. And you've kind of run out of interesting things. So you do the things nobody else can do. Things like take a ride into space or try to go see the Titanic. Only these are super dangerous things. And just having lots of money doesn't make it less dangerous. Dang it. That <laughs> yeah. really sounded like a good answer, but apparently not. Yeah. I, and it's funny how I, I guess in the if, if you have access to everything... Things start to seem boring, perhaps. Hmm. I haven't tried it, uh, so I don't know. Maybe. But that's enough about this. I don't really think talking about a lost submarine is what the True Wealth program is about. Now, a yellow submarine, that's something we can get behind. Yeah, that and, and have before, <laughs> right? I mean, so <laughs> always, always the non sequitur connection to our, our favorite Beatles tunes, right? So... I, I had a, a moment to think. There, there, there are a couple things we usually talk about, especially I love to take it. So I totally take advantage of my friendship with Derek here uh, because when it comes to he's sort of like the estate varsity guy. When I, when I get to talking about estate stuff, I like to turn to Derek and go, right, because he's in that. And mostly you confirm it. Mostly I can. Yes. Right? Uh, so we may talk a little bit about that, but I had a different thought. I know this one. He's, his eyebrow is raised. Here was the thought kind of breaking down true wealth. And sometimes this is this is the result of vacation and having um, less commentary on the markets, which I think we could always talk about the stock market. But uh, if we're really honest right now, it's darn hard to handicap. Like it just is. There's there's trends going both directions. There are reasons to feel optimistic and there's reasons to feel pessimistic. And so it's very, very difficult to handicap. And just talking about the whole, well, we still don't know that. I don't know that that produces a show that's of very much use to our listeners. Well, the thing that I always remember us talking about is uh, take the long view. In the short view, we may not have any idea what's going to happen. And of course, you can't predict the future. But historically, over time, the market's gone up. Yeah. So uh, this is kind of what I wanted to talk about generically. Okay. This perspective on time and also it's the perspective show, right? about reframing some of these things, because I think what we see, I mean, I've seen this over the course of my career, I've been guilty of this as well, is you get sort of suckered in or you get drawn in to a, a perspective that's not necessarily the bigger picture. And 
you start to fit data to your theory rather than looking what the data really tells you, right? And and try trying to let the data just go where it goes. You're saying, no, no, I, I think it goes here and I'm gonna keep adding more data to this inventory to justify why I'm right, okay? So this is something known as confirmation bias, right? Okay. And uh, we can see that in the markets all the time. So one of the things that I like to remind people is the system by design really wants to self-correct, right? I mean, think about that for a moment. The system, it wants to self-correct, but it's not because it wants to do it. It's because that's the natural response when something breaks and a self-interested system creates a workaround. The workaround ends up correcting the problem. Now it may create all new problems. Okay, right? so so tie this to the financial markets for me. Well, it's about why the long-term perspective works, right? A lot of people see the long-term perspective as this cop-out, where it's like, oh, you just don't want to make a call or whatever. Not so, right? You can make calls, and you can also be wrong doing it. But it's more like the response to the prepper community that wants to say that, the powers that be have have intentionally orchestrated a system that's designed to fail and reset in such a way that all wealth is destroyed and everybody has to come back wearing the same uniform and doing what they're told. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, the, the powerful folks wouldn't do that. Right. No. They'd want to correct it and keep it in place where it Well, that's it is. the thing, because how do you create a system where if you destroy the basis of wealth and the people that have the wealth are the ones destroying it, they destroyed their own wealth, right? No, well, no, it's about power. Like, well, no, explain that to me. If it's about power, why did the billionaire go into a submarine? Right, no, I mean, I think it was because it was something to do, right? I don't, I'm not, I'm just not convinced that it's that, I mean, there are probably a handful of sociopaths out there that really do actually want to control like what color shirt you wear. That's not typical. Most people that are self-interested don't care at all what color shirt you wear. They just want to wear the color shirt they want to wear. Right. <laughs> and so it doesn't make any sense. And so some of it's about this grounding. And then some of it is, let, if we get past that, how can we reframe our thinking? Because I think that this show, is we have some really healthy conversation about how do people that end up financially successful approach the use of their finances, of their time, how do they prioritize things, and how is wealth developed in their life? Now that I think is worth exploring because a lot of people are like, well, how do you get there? And there's maybe a little bit of luck, but there's a lot of it that just has to do with how you approach solving the problem and handling the resources you've got. So today I wanna to talk a little bit more about that it's not the markets. Markets are simply part of the equation. It's how do you, the problem solving of finance. So we're gonna cover some of that and more, but speaking of finance, we have to take our first evil profit break. So stick around and when we come back, Derek's gonna tell us how to get smarter with our money. All right, that and more, but first this break. You've got Dave Littlejohn. And Derek Simmons. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Oh, and the other one, 93.9 FM. Yeah, that's the one, too. All right, we'll be right back. 
<laughs> all right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where if you're just joining us, we will have all of this posted on our webpage so you can get caught up tomorrow uh, by going to littlejohnfs.com and looking under the podcast uh, tab or the it's the Knowledge Center. It's in there. Um, I have brought my good buddy and special guest Derek Simmons on the show today because we kicked Matt out. No, not forever. Matt, happy anniversary. I hope you and Cheyenne have a great evening. Derek, I want to talk about true wealth. And uh, I want to talk about wealth decisions for a minute. All right. I think these are tough. Now, you got four kiddos. I do. I only have three. And I think it's because you set the example. And I thought, well, I don't know if I can. <laughs> four is a lot. Uh, let's. I want to think about this as if we were trying to teach our kids right okay. you know, how do you how do you impart financial values uh, it's probably the number one thing that i see with folks is um, financial prioritization it's just hard for folks to make decisions with their money and some i mean sometimes it's structural folks just don't have enough money in their wallet to to make life work that's really tough but other times it's really self-induced and the the question is like let's say you're talking to your your kids let's say you're talking to my kids for that matter and you're trying to explain to them how do you make good financial decisions well where do you start you start with the you've got income and you've got expenses and so what you want to do is figure out how to increase your income and this was a decision I made uh, early in my first career as a newspaper editor. Which is, I think that's fun because if you're unaware, the the radio studio that we're sitting in right now is in the same building as the local newspaper. Yes, and that right. uh, the news business is one you should get into because you love, not right. because you're going to get overpaid doing it. Right. And I think there are a lot of professions where folks, you know, you, you are going to make some compensation concessions, Right. I'm also going to tell you that if you only make decisions about getting more money, Game of More will not bring you satisfaction. Right? Just, just the answer of well, I just need more. That game never ends. It gets old. Right. It sounds crazy, but it gets old if that's the only thing you're chasing. If there's no purpose or meaning other than collecting money. Well, I what I did was some math, and I looked at how much I was making. What my trajectory was as far as recent annual increases had been uh, promotion opportunities and then I compared to that to what I could make if I uh, went to law school borrowed a bunch of money to do it and then got out and uh, was able to make a reasonable amount more than what I was making mm -hmm. and I figured at the time I could break even in about seven years and it actually went a little bit faster than that brilliant based on the money that I borrowed and the money the opportunity cost of not working while I was in law school and mm -hmm. that worked out well on the revenue side right then on the expense side um, what you have to do is not spend more than you're making this I, this sounds like so it's, familiar well it's funny because it sounds so obvious and yet it's just not what people do yeah. right the, the the statistics tell us I mean you just look at the amount of consumer debt that's out there and people just spend money they don't have yeah i mean I, I can remember opportunities to borrow money to do something or buy something that we wanted mm -hmm. and having the hard discussion and deciding no let's wait until the money is in the bank and then buy it yeah 
This, I think Dave Ramsey really does nail it when he says, you know, live like no one else today so you can live like no one else tomorrow. We're going to unpack that statement more. But he's what he's angling toward is, you know, being frugal early creates flexibility later. It's not a guarantee, by the way, right? You know, if you if you want to make the YOLO argument that, well, gosh, you know, you get hit by a bus, you should just not worry about that. You can do that, but you have to be prepared for the consequences of doing that too, right? You can't simply expect that it will all work out and never do anything to make it all work out. If you don't get hit by a bus, <laughs> then what? Yeah, you may find yourself in a different spot than you want to be later. Yeah, and uh, I would also, this is just me making a slightly political snark at the same time, is you yoloing your life away and then expecting somebody else to bail you out, there's no virtue in that, right? Because somebody else didn't YOLO their life away, and now you're like, sucker, well, you should pay to help everybody else. Like, that's not cool either. I am a huge advocate of personal responsibility. Absolutely. So that's as much as I'll beat that drum, because everybody on this show knows where I stand on it, right? But, but back to your, your key points. So it's uh, I want to draw a quick comparison. Uh, I did something similar early in my career, but a different pathway, right? I, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, I used to be a DJ. I know that's like, like the kind that spins records in a... DJ Jazzy Dave. Close enough. We're, we're, there, it's a long time. But, but here's what I discovered, right? One, you're nocturnal. It was not... I really did want to have a family someday. And that was not a career path that I thought was going to get me there. Might have been novel as a you know college age young man that was trying to figure life out uh, because it seemed like it might be a fun party environment. But uh, it was sort of Groundhog's Day because every event started to feel like the same thing. Right. And you can't really scale that very well because. Yeah, you could buy a bunch of different mobile setups and send other people out, but you can't control the quality of the product because there's a little bit of art mixed into that business. Right. It was really frustrating, you know, to to you know send somebody else out and then have them get just terrible reviews and it damages your reputation. So couldn't do that. So I quickly recognized this was not a career move. So I found myself chasing down the pathway of finance, but very different than law where you start and i had to keep djing for a while because i just couldn't make any money doing what i was doing financial in finance because it's basically uh, to borrow another term it's sort of an eat what you kill environment right Right. and you start with nothing margins in finance are really really small if you didn't know that margins in finance are really small sure somebody can bring in a million dollar investment and you know you're making a fraction of a percent of that as your income. So it's not like you're getting huge dollars for this. It's it takes a career to build up enough of a business to feed your family. But people see 20 years later they are like, "Oh, look at that. It looks so great." Like, well, you're not looking at the first 20 years. You're looking at today, right? So it's interesting how the decision that I made was really really deferred gratification. Right. Okay, the, the decision you made was about spending early as an investment in a greater return faster. It's true. That was a that was a decision to borrow money and mortgage thirty years on the expectation that it was gonna pay for itself, and it did. Right. I mean you had to make it. Right. I, I had classmates who borrowed the same amount of money and then went into law with a different work ethic. Mm-hmm. And 
they are struggling to make their loan payments right. or waiting for deferral or on deferral for indefinite periods of time. And you just you have to think about that in terms of what it's how it's going to pay off. Right. It's an investment. Make sure it's going to pay. Say that again. <laughs> it is an investment. And education is an investment. And you want to make sure that it's going to pay. I treated every level of school like trade school. I needed to, I needed it to produce a job that needed to feed me and my family. And at every level, I made sure that happened. So that to me is super important. Like that's one of those, we need to capture it and play it again and again and again. It may have to turn into one of our radio ads or something like that. That advice is super important. It's the idea that education is an investment and that it was highly intentional and you didn't do it. it, it it's not like you let go of one branch and jump to the next one. At each point along the way, while you were making these investments, you still had cash flow to stabilize your life. Right. Right. Now, I realize that this goes in the face of some of the the entrepreneur advice that you get out there. I mean, there are folks that are like, you need to just go all in and put 100% effort into it because, but most of the people that are giving you that advice, they're the ones that they did that and it worked. So they make the radical assumption that everybody that does that it will work and that is simply not statistically accurate right lots of businesses fail because uh this may come as a shock to you it certainly surprised the heck out of me but it's totally real a lot of entrepreneurs forget to design their own compensation into their business model that would be a problem. I know. It sounds like to, to, to folks that have designed businesses that were, were built to provide a, a, a living wage for themselves, they hear me say that. And they look at me like I have two heads. Like, you're kidding. People do that? It's like, absolutely. And it's why the infant mortality phase of business is so high. So many businesses fail. That's one of the reasons is because the person working in it works harder and harder and harder and harder, and they never pay themselves. They never count their own time in it. They just work hard, 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 hard. They put the money into all the other things in the business, but they can't ever seem to get it to turn the corner, and they starve themselves out while working their tail off. That's a failed business model is what that is. Well, that's true. But if I, if I can, I'd like to focus a little bit on the expense side. 100%, please. So one of the things that I noticed was early in my career, I never went on a vacation. And it was it was probably 10 years into practicing law before I went on a vacation at all. Then it was another five years after that. And then at some point, I turned a corner where mm -hmm. I could afford to be gone. Mm -hmm. And so uh, these days, I can take a vacation when I want to. And I, I try to do it every year. But the reason I can do that is because I didn't early on. I needed to save that money. It wasn't the time. I could take time off of work. But the expense is something I needed not to spend then. Mm -hmm. I wanted to defer that gratification until later. Right. And I want to clarify, too, when you say vacation, does that mean that you took zero days out of the office in a year? No, particularly in 2008 when the economy sucked and I didn't have a lot of work to do. I was definitely out of the office. I just didn't go anywhere and spend any money. That's the part, right? Because for I, – I'm, I'm just helping our listeners sure. out for this because I don't think what you're saying is people shouldn't take time to rest and recharge a little bit because I think that's part of the balance. The work-life balance is important because 
I mean, studies will show. In fact, they actually tried this in Russia at one time, like a 16-day week, and it was disastrous. They found productivity just collapsed because burnout was so high. You have to be really uniquely wired to work week in and week out and week in and week out and not just completely burn out. No, it's just don't spend the money. Right. It's the idea that you can have a staycation or you can, you know, and, you know, when you're younger, a lot of the time it's like, well, we're going to go visit some family or something like that. They're just not high cost. Like we're going to Europe, right? It's not that kind of thing because it's not time. Right. That is really hard for folks. Now, maybe you're in a position where you are younger and you have found a, a highly compensated environment. I mean, th there are these kind of exceptions where I see folks that come out of school, for example, maybe they get into the tech industry and they're uh, a high level coder that gets you know a team under them. And, you know, in three or four years, they're in their early 20s and they're making three, four hundred grand a year. And their operating expenses are nowhere near that high. Yeah. Guess what? You actually are ahead of the financial curve compared to average. And you can afford to do things like but that. But then the first thing you do is save for retirement. Well, yes, one should pay themselves first. You have to. Because, yeah. you know, the, the gravy train does not stay at your house for very long. There's, yeah. a, there's a time when you can harvest and a time when you won't be able to. And you have to be ready for that. Well, that's true. But I, and that goes back to the very first, you know, spend less than you make and pay yourself first. Yeah. So we've now got two rules established here in the how, how wealth is accumulated game, right? Spend less than you make and pay yourself first. There's more, but before I could share them with you, we have to take another obscene profit break. So, Derek, can you stick around? I can. Awesome. Let's do it. We'll be right back where we're going to talk about a whole bunch more of these rules for wealth building. But first this. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Derek Simmons. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show where my favorite guest today has well, joined us. You can do better than that. All right, one of the best guests we've ever had. There you go. Really, it's the just amazing. The best guest in history of of the True Wealth, Wealth Radio Show, True. Derek Simmons. Everybody, you're, uh, you know, and if you don't know, he's a law dog. That's different than raw dog. Mostly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Derek is uh, one of my favorite attorneys because he's not a litigator, <laughs> so that that makes it easier, right? So. Uh, if you, if you ever wonder, why does he show up here? Well, I can disclose that Derek's my attorney. He's done all kinds of help in terms of corporate structuring and so forth. And uh, also, I know that a lot of your practice of late has started to migrate toward estate planning. It has, yeah. Right? So uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar, if you're in the uh, environment where you're looking for uh, development of a will or a trust or if you have um, other entities and you want to coordinate those with your wills and trusts, which I advise that you should do is make sure that they're not in conflict. Derek's one of those guys that can help. That's the fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, this is the part where you shamelessly give out your phone number oh, to yes. everybody. 541-677-7185. Simmons Law. Right. And so a very uh, cleverly named uh, both of us missed the memo on naming your business. <laughs> <laughs> so Little John Financial and Simmons Law. Uh, yeah, we, we shop at the same stores. So <laughs> anyway. On the plus side, uh, I can wear all the shirts and 
everybody knows who I am, so that works out. That well. is true, and uh, also I I believe they named a college after you. That's true, and a bank in various places, and a mattress company. Okay, so you Go are figure. popular. I totally am. Uh, they don't seem to be naming a lot of things after Little John. That, I think there's a Coliseum in South Carolina, but it's spelled different. So, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to go it our own way. But we were talking about wealth. Yeah, you know, we were. And so it's it started as, here's where this is sort of gradu- gravitated and graduated toward, I think. I think this is the advice that I would offer to my kids, which is, means it's the advice I'd offer to your kids. But we all know, wink, wink, that when we're offering advice to our kids, if this is advice you don't know, just pretend it was for your kids and act like you already knew it and take credit for it. Devious. But you better learn this stuff, right? Uh, so we had a couple of rules that we started with. First rule, Derek, spend less, less than, you, than make. you make. Yes, right? spend less than you make every yeah. single time. It doesn't yeah. matter how much you make if you spend more than that. That is true. Now, one of the things that's embedded in that is control your expenses. Okay, uh, that was sort of there was a little discussion about vacation, right? Or you know, and and so it's in and embedded in this is lots of things. One of the things that I sneak in there is the difference between wants and needs. Okay, where there's another. Uh, this is you're going to see. We're going to weave this all together here. The the wants and needs conversation is going to weave through all of this. The control your expenses will weave through all of this. This is healthy business practice and it's healthy personal finance. And when we talk to our politicians, evidently it falls on deaf ears because they just don't look at it this way. But what can you do? We can talk about what we can do. Now, rule number two. Okay. You have to pay yourself first, right? What do I mean when I say that? It means you should save money for retirement. Save it for a rainy day first. Save it for retirement later. Um, but make sure that you're not spending everything because you're you're not always going to have it coming in. Yes, right? It's exactly it. So it's not just spend, like spend less than you make, but don't spend it all. And there, there is a, a progression. I mean, this is the this is what made Dave Ramsey famous, right? Because what he did was he ported sort of a boilerplate methodology that if you follow it, you really can't screw it up. Okay. Now, the thing is, what he doesn't tell you is it's not the fastest path, right? And it's not the least painful path, but it's a path that you, if you do it, you don't screw it up. And so it's you know you put a thousand bucks in an emergency account, right? And a thousand dollars because you need a win first of all, and because you need to not have to go back to your credit card if your car breaks or something simple in life goes wrong. You need some money that's available for an actual on-the-spot emergency that you have to take care of right in this in that moment. You know, and when you compare credit cards, that's the one that really drives me bananas. If you have to charge something on a credit card that you can't pay off, that's going to cost you like 14 to 25% interest. Yeah, it, there's just... The, the credit card game, uh, I, I'm not here to destroy, like I'm not gonna bash credit cards for what they're good for. Credit cards are really good for some things. But think about it this way. If you can go get money out of savings where it's earning nothing mm-hmm. and use that to pay for a repair rather than charge something and have it roll over to next month, 
you have just made 20%. Right. You are way better off not going to the credit card. When So here's our, just a little side note for the show, though. When might a credit card be okay? Well, I often use it. I charge lots of things on the credit card. I just pay it off every month. Right. That's the answer is when you still have the money and can pay it off. Credit cards afford pretty good security. Okay. There's actually some pretty strong consumer protection laws around credit cards. And so they can be very convenient. You do need to pay attention because some things cost more on a credit card than paying cash for them. Okay. Including sometimes going to the gas station. There's different price tiers depending on what how you pay, right? And certain vendors that you may go to. If you maybe go to the your, your dentist or something and say, oh, I'm going to pay with a credit card versus pay with cash or check, the, it's a lower price point. And that's because there's processing fees that vendors have to absorb, okay? It's also those processing fees that pay for things like the points and the mileage on all the other stuff that people accumulate on credit cards and then will sometimes use. It's a form of rebating part of the processing fees that credit cards are charging for convenience. And the vendors like it because, statistically speaking, people spend more money when they're using a credit card than with cash. Hmm. So they're willing to do it, in many cases, for the convenience factor because it increases the number of transactions, even though they have to pay a little bit. But that's just a side note. The credit card itself isn't the problem if you pay it off. True. Okay. But when you don't pay it off, that's when the problems start. Because that breaks another one of the rules that you were mentioning earlier, which is don't pay interest. Yeah. Interest right? is just not, you're not buying anything for interest. You yeah. want to be able to be your own bank so that you don't have to part with money for which you get nothing. Yeah. Is there a time when you would not pay off a loan? Yeah, I would if the interest rate was low enough that I could earn more money with that money invested elsewhere. Yeah. You know, when I gave you the example of if I'm paying 20% interest on a credit card, uh, now that's not going to be the example. But if I had something that would pay me 25%, then yeah. I might instead put it in well, the 25% interest earning. Yeah, let's say, for example, and this one, it's controversial because there's some emotion around this too, but... Let's say you have a home mortgage at 3% and you owe $100,000 on it. You got $100,000 in your bank account. And you go, well, should I just pay off my house? Well, you could, but if your bank account is earning more than the 3% that you're being charged on your homeowner, on your, on your mortgage. You make money you, by you, not paying yeah, it off. Yeah, you actually make more not paying it off. And that is... It kind of messes with your head, but that's what we call arbitrage, right? So the the amount that you earn is higher than the cost of the capital that you to 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 get a hold of the capital. Uh, a lot of people did this during the uh, COVID chunk of time, where there was like loans that were the government was SBA loans at like three point seven five percent. You realize that you go get a CD at five percent right now, so you borrow at three and a half and get a CD that's paying five. That would be an example where you could have arbitrage. That's not typical, but that's an example. Yeah. Uh, so it's still important because <laughs> paying interest basically, uh, it, it's going to cost you one way or the other, right? I mean, if, if you're making money on it, then I guess you're buying something. This is a fun one, too, because number three on the list, I'm stealing all of Derek's, by the way. Do you remember? Have. Number three, you can take it out in time versus money, right? Yes. This is something that my mentor told me over and over when I was a young attorney. He said, you can take it out in time 
meaning you can go out and not work and enjoy the time out of the office, or you can take it out in money by working and getting paid for it. So you take it out in time or you can take it out in money. Why do we care so much about this? Because time is what we're out of in th for this break. So we're going to take... Yeah, that's, I thought I was setting up our engineers. for. There, I got it. Okay, That's the lamest way to try to segment to a break, right? We're going to come back and we'll talk about this time equation and how money becomes more powerful with time. But we got to take this last break. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Derek Simmons. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. Yeah, you, good. <laughs> hey, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where uh, I, your host, Dave Littlejohn, am fortunate enough to have in studio with me today, Mr. Derek Simmons. It's so, always good to be here. Well, and I appreciate it, and we're teasing because he uh, inadvertently uh, like transcripted like the last five minutes of my uh, yammering, I think, and I'm like, yeah, you should delete that. He's like, oh, I should. <laughs> so... Uh, Hey, you know, today we've been talking about the just how we would try to teach our kids about, uh, I guess, how to approach financial problem solving and financial principles, right? And there's a last key one that really needs to be on the list. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna quickly reiterate the rules that we've been talking about. And if you want to catch more of the show, go grab the podcast. It'll be on littlejohnfs.com. We'll post it tomorrow. Go to the Knowledge Center and all these shows get podcasted so you can download them and listen until your eyes roll back in your head. It'll be awesome. But uh, there's some simple rules in finance. And I think that, yes, your eighth grader should be able to understand these, but so should you, right? Rule number one, spend less than you make. Rule number two, you got to pay yourself first. This is the idea that there needs to be intentional and deliberate and consistent savings, right? That's how you build a nest egg over time, because at some point you would rather have the control over whether or not you have to work. Okay. I'm not telling you that you have to retire. I think work is actually a real blessing out there for a lot of people, but you'd like to have enough money that you work because you want to, not because you have to. Okay, so you got to pay yourself first. Number three, uh, this one's straight out of Derek's mouth. You can take it out in time or you can take it out in money, right? Which again means? Well, it means that uh, early in my career when I was looking at work-life balance, you know, it wasn't 50-50. It was more like 70-30 or 75-25. I wanted to work more because I needed the money more. And as I've gotten older, then I've needed the money less and I've needed the time more. And so those percentages change. But you only, everybody has exactly the same amount of time. We all have 24 hours in a day and we can choose to make them productive or not make them productive. It's just that there are consequences from that choice. Absolutely. And I think that there's uh, maybe one thing I'd add just a little bit of salt and seasoning to that dish is that not all time is created equal in a sense like there's quality time and then there's just time on the meter right quality time is sitting in the same room with your kids while everybody reads a book that's not the same as time where you're engaged in doing the activities together so I think there's an on balance amount of quality time and you know we all have so much bandwidth and we have so much attention span so uh, there's this tendency and maybe I'm just projecting an issue that I have but the idea that 
uh, you know, you have to have lots and lots and lots of hours accumulated with all of the things you love. Not necessarily so. It's perfectly reasonable to work uh, a normal work week, and you still have a lot of quality time outside of work that you can do things. I mean, in, in the normal structure of what we do, I don't think it's a, I should work 10 hours a week and everything else should go to, you know, me taking up hobbies. I mean, I guess if you can do that and you can figure out how to financially sustain yourself, that's fine. But I would encourage you to find work that has more meaning and purpose to it and make sure that the time that you're investing in other places is really good quality time. Well, I think that the time versus money you can take it out either way. Also plays in with the time value of money. Absolutely, which so, is kind of the, the the last of the key points that we wanted to cover today. Yeah. So the the key part there is, if I saved a hundred dollars when I was thirty years old, it would be worth more, way more now, you know, than it is than it would be if I save it now. Right. Because Provided it's, had, it's earning interest yeah, along the way. As long as it's earning interest, and mm-hmm. it, and that distinction makes a lot of difference as to why. Uh, I encourage folks to work and save hard early. Yeah. Because then it has time to grow on its own without you doing anything. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about on this show before the rule of 72, which is this shortcut math trick that you can use to figure out how long it takes to double your money in an investment. And so if, if you divide the number 72 by your rate of return, so let's say you have a 72 divided by a 10% annual return. It will take 7.2 years to double your money. And that's assuming that there's no taxes being carved out as it grows, right? Which is how most retirement plans work. They're tax deferred. So you can figure out, though, real quickly, if I put $100 in when I'm 50 and seven years later it's worth $200, but if I'm 30, it gets to double how many times until I reach age 50 or 60 or 70? And if you put $100 in every month, that's a whole chain of $100 bills that's doubling every seven years and stacking on top of themselves. So the interest starts earning more interest and that interest earns interest. And the compounding effect is staggering. It's also one of the reasons that that nest egg, by the time you're at retirement, is capable of sustaining you typically is because it's grown so much. It, you don't start with the nest egg. You have to build it. But But this is why the you know, invest early and often still works, right? I mean, it's it's not the, there are a lot of people that talk about retirement rescue where, hey, you know, you didn't save when you were earlier, when you were younger, so are you in trouble? I mean, there's still things you can do that can accelerate this curve, but it's usually because you've developed experience and earning capacity and other things, but, you know, there's a lot more brute force to, to trying to save a nest egg. It will build itself if you start, if you put it away early. Yeah, the time value of money is amazing. I think it was Albert Einstein that said it was like the eighth wonder of the universe or something. I mean, he said it was one of the, or he's like, we might be the most powerful force in the universe. He joked about some of those, but compound interest is just staggering. So, yeah, the, the, the time value of money is super important. And the it, all of this weaves together with that theme of, being willing to recognize the difference between wants and needs and the timing of when things are appropriate. Sometimes it's, it is better to defer gratification because the payoff's even bigger, right? And there comes a point in life when you can defer something out of existence. That's part of the true wealth equation, right? You know, you 
wait too long and you won't start a family. Right. And so there are some decisions that aren't made around finances. They're made because it's different reasons. But some of them are financial. And I think we need to be aware of that. And if you don't know how that's this is where, you know, age and treachery, but also a little bit of wisdom starts coming into play, too. So get a mentor. Right. That would be the last piece of advice I'd offer on the show is if you're struggling with financial success, find somebody that isn't and learn from them. Right. And it's it's pretty easy to decide you're going to argue with somebody. Um, but I want that. Well, I understand why you want it. That's the way it works. Right. And remember, you can you can be <laughs> you, you, you could dig in and try to be right or you can be successful. Your choice. Right. I mean, and that's the thing. Like if, if your pride's going to get in the way of you making good financial decisions, then you have nobody to blame but yourself. But, uh, you know, there but you the are. the folks listening to the show are smart. That if you've listened this far, it's not you. That's the good news. If you're listening right now, you're probably going, yeah, I need to figure that out. And so this is where I will put a shameless plug in for my firm. If you're interested in financial planning and learning more about how this stuff works, give us a call. Our number is 541-375-0898. Derek, one more time. Music's playing, but how do we uh, get get folks in touch with you? Simmons Law, 541-677-7185. All right. And you can also reach out to our firm. We've got his number. So, But we're out of time for now, so I guess it's time to wrap up. Uh, thanks for tuning in as always. Until next time, this is David Littlejohn. And Derek Simmons. You've been listening to True Wealth, a news radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.